chapter 6, and we'll begin in verse 25. Thank God for his goodness. Thank God for the opportunity to stand before his people. And I thank God for the opportunity to hear his word. Never forget, while I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. And uh, I got to tell you, um, I just feel the power of God, that God is just so wanting to do some things. Um, And we'll get into that today to let you understand how God will do things, what is required for God to do things in our life. Because I believe sometimes we come to church and, and God, when you leave church service, sometimes I believe God is more disappointed in you. Because you wouldn't do what it took for him to do what he needed to do. And so his hands was like this. And he's like watching you walk out of the building, shaking his head like, do you know what I want to do? Do you understand how much I want to help you? But you just didn't do anything. And he needs you to have faith and expectation and believe him and trust him. And if you will do that while the preaching is going on, you will receive what you need. God wants to do it. Daniel chapter 6, verse 25, the word of the Lord says, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, this is the king, this is the heathen king, this is the king that's ruling in the earth. He says, That in every dominion, everything that he rules over in his kingdom, that men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. What happened to his God? For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who had delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Jesus, will you work the work in the heart of the people of God gathered here in the midst of the congregation gathered together in your name? Lord, bind us together in touching and agreeing and believing you for what you say you will do. I pray today that every person under the sound of my voice will exercise faith and that God, the need that they have in their life, it will be met. It will be exceeded. And Lord, they will not leave the same way they came in because Lord, what you want to do for them, they will allow you to do. I pray that you will stir that praise and worship will flow from the depths of the soul of the people of God here today, that they will receive from you and not leave empty. We praise you and we thank you already, even now for what you already have set in order. Jesus, bless us and touch us in a special way. Manifest your power, manifest your will, and manifest, Lord Jesus, your greatness in the midst of this congregation. For we will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all these things we ask you in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Why don't you clap your hands onto the Lord and just begin to thank him already. Just say, God, I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We need to adjust our concept and our understanding of God. I know we come to church. I know we hear the word of God. I know we read our Bibles. But I think for the things that we experience oftentimes, I believe we need to adjust our concept and our understanding of God. Because I'm not sure we really have the right concept. I'm not sure we really have the right understanding of who God is. Because if we did and if we do, I believe we will see the power and the hand of God working more than we have seen it work. Uh, I'm tired of hearing all the stories of what God has done in Thailand. I'm tired of hearing the stories of what God has done in the Philippines and in Africa and in India. I'm tired of hearing what God is doing all across 
across the world and in our local congregation on Sundays and midweek Bible studies, we're, we're not seeing the same thing. And if we do get some miracles here and there, it's almost like a trinket or a drip coming from the faucet, not the faucet being fully turned on and miracles just running from it. But God is not a respecter of person and God wants to do the same he has done and is doing overseas. He wants to do it right here, right in this congregation, in your life, because God is no respecter of persons. So what is it that they have overseas while they're experiencing God's miracle, God's power? What are they seeing overseas? What do they have overseas while they're experiencing this, but we here in America is not really experiencing it? Is God being a respective person? Is God holding back? Is God, is, is he not wanting to do something for you? Is it something you have done so terrible that God is saying, no, you won't get that miracle. No, I won't do this. What is it that is stopping? Helping us from experiencing the power of God like they have experienced overseas. And I'm here to tell you, we just need to adjust our concept. We just need to adjust our understanding of who God is. God is not a genie in a bottle that you order around. Genie, come out and do this for me. God is not a genie and God is not, not, not the one that you going to order around because here it is. If God gets ordered around by you, then he's no longer God. You're God. So we have to be careful how we reach God, how we go after God, because we can't go and order God. What we need to go and do is find out what God is up to. What we need to understand is what God wants to do and get in alignment with him. What we need to know is what is God's purpose and plan in this earth. Our concept of God will either chain him or loose him in our life. Our concept of God will either chain him or loose him in our life. What do you mean by that, preacher? It means depending on how you perceive God for who he is, you will either be able to experience the power of God, experience the greatness of God, the miracle working power of God in your life, or you will just live a life with no miracle because of your concept. Because you want God to work how you want God to work. Remember, if he worked the way you want him to work, you becomes God. He works the way he works, then he's God. Mm-hmm. He won't let you make, he won't let you order him around. The only way you order God around is tell him what he said. God, you said you will Save them that are my family and close to me. You said, Lord God, that you are a God that is no respect of person. If you heal that lady over there, you will heal me. You can tell him that. And he has to say, you're right. You're right. I remember reading, and if you all are following in the reading, I remember reading when when the children of Israel... You know, so many times during their uh, walk in the wilderness, they came up with, they just had so many uh, complaints. And they were complaining one time, and God just said to Moses, I'm just going to wipe them all out and start over. You didn't know that was in the Bible. Yeah, they complained so much, God said, you know what, Moses, I'm just going to get rid of them and and just start a whole new nation. You're still going to be the leader, Moses, but I'm just going to start a whole new nation. You know what Moses said to God? God. If you do that, then the Egyptians, who was keeping the children in bondage, who you delivered your children from, they're going to say, what kind of God is he? He delivered his kids and killed them in the wilderness. God says, oh, Moses, you got me. You see how we need to deal with God? You have to deal with God on his righteousness. That's how Moses was able to get him to say, yeah, I can't do that, huh? Because it's always about righteousness that gets God faith, obviously, which we'll get into. But you have to understand God operate on righteousness principles. And so a lot of times we get ahead of ourselves and we want God to do what we want him to do. But you have to stop and ask, is that righteous? Is it righteous that you see somebody that you like and you want to be with, but they with somebody else and you wish them to die so you can have them? Oh, I'm just telling you, some people do that. 
You know, you feel like, oh God, I'm, I'm faithful to you. I'm living right. I'm doing right. And, 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 and look, they with this person that's just treating them wrong and it's just not working out. Why don't you let that person die so I can have that person? And you're waiting for God to do a miracle for that. Can I tell you that? That's not happening. If they ended up dying one day, it's just natural causes. God didn't have nothing to do with that. So don't sit around talking about God killed that man so I can have the, the man, the, the, the woman. Or vice versa. It don't work that way. If it happened, it was just normal course of action that really just happened. God not killing nobody so you can have somebody. God is righteous. He's a righteous God. And so the first thing we have to realize, if we're going to experience the power of God, if we're going to experience what God wants to do in our life, we have to start at the place of righteousness. We have situations and challenges in our life that we want to see worked out. But because there is some unrighteousness in the midst of that situation, you're, you're, you're getting frustrated with God because you want God to work in an unrighteous situation. And God is saying, that's not how I roll. Remember, I told you that if you go to God and pray about your spouse because they're not doing right and you're trying to get God to do something to them, God will never listen to you. God. My spouse is just mean. Can you can you do something straight in the mouth so they can stop being mean? God have, God will never talk to you about that. Because always remember this, we're all God's children. He is the father and the discipliner of the of the family. So he's not going to let you be the one to discipline his daughter or you be the one to discipline his son. This is why, again, sometimes in marriage we get frustrated because we see we, what we see out of our own eye. We want this, one of the spouse to be, you know, get straightened out by God. And God is saying, that's my business. I'm the father here. Stay out of the business. You just do what you're supposed to do. And we can't handle that. When people are going crazy and we, we trying to do right and we getting mad. God, I can't believe I'm trying to do the right thing. Well, get, guess what? Oh, Holy Ghost, help me. By you complaining and having an attitude because you're doing right and they're not, your righteousness is not even righteous. That's what happened to Cain. That's what happened to, 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 to people in the in scripture that you read. Yeah, the, the, the prodigal son. The older son. Brother came back. How can dad just let him come back like that? I can't believe that. I've been here all this time just listening to you, dad, and doing what you want what you want for me to do. How are you just gonna take him back? If you are complaining about what God is not or is doing in somebody's life and you're doing right and he's not doing stuff in your life, you're not right. Because what you do, you're supposed to do to please God. You're not doing it to please your neighbor. You're not doing it to please your spouse. Because when you please God, whoever's in your life, if they're right, they will be pleased. I don't have to. If I'm pleasing God, I will please my wife. And if I'm not pleased, there's something is wrong with her. So the bottom line is I don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. I have to just live my life to please God. That's a tough one for y'all. And so, we have to change our concept of how we see God. By the way, we've entitled this message today, Our God is Able. God, as our Father, desire for us, His children, who are captives of Satan, captives of this world, captives by sin and self. That God who loves us, his children, he wants to deliver us. He wants to cleanse us. He wants to save us. He wants to heal us. He wants to fulfill us. And he wants us to grow into maturity. God wants the very best for you. Tell your neighbor, God wants the very best for you. Now, you got to believe that. You have to believe that. 
That, that might seem like a, just a, a regular normal statement, but I'm telling you, if you don't get that in your spirit, if you don't get that in your heart that God wants the very best for you, then you're going to stay stuck at where you are even today. But if you can believe that with me today and know that God wants the very best for you, then you will begin to go into a different dimension in God. You will begin to see things begin to open up for you when you understand God wants the very best for me. Now, you don't know what's the very best for you. But just know this, God wants the very best for me. And so when you don't understand what's going on, when you don't understand where God is taking you, just keep saying this, God wants the very best for me. When you're frustrated, when, when, when you feel like things are not working the way they, they, they should, you just keep saying, God wants the very best for me. And if you continue to say that to yourself and really believe that, no matter what you go through, you will realize this. Hey, listen to me. When the children of Israel was delivered from Egypt, the, 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 the way for them to escape and go where they needed to go, where peace was, was not the way they went. They went through the wilderness. That wasn't the way for them to go. That was the long way. That was the difficult way. And that's why they started complaining. That's why they started, oh my God, help us today. They started complaining a little bit in their heart and started murmuring out loud after a while because what they started saying is, where is he taking us? God is doing it and weaving it. And you know what you're saying? Where is he taking me? And if you believe God wants the very best for you, you can care less where he's taking you. You can say, God, you want the very best for me. So wherever you're taking me, however you're leading me, I am going to follow you because you want the very best for me. God likes to kill off your enemies. He does. Because that whole thing through the wilderness, set up. You don't realize God is taking care of you while he's setting up to destroy your adversary. You don't understand this. You keep thinking, God, why are you doing this? And God is saying, will you just hush and let me do what I'm doing? I am taking care of two things at the same time. I'm keeping you. I'm saving you. I'm protecting you. And I'm setting up your enemy to destroy your enemy. So don't you worry where God is taking you. Don't you worry the direction that God is taking you. You're not smart enough to understand where God is taking you. You're not wise enough to understand God's plan. He says, your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts so we can't understand all what God is doing uh, but you just need to know that God wants the very best for me uh, and if I trust him uh, and I follow him I know I will be just fine Uh, I'm not going to do my own thing uh, but I'm going to do the thing of God oh oh Listen, the passage we read told us about King Darius, a heathen king who worshipped idols. It's very important to know that. He did not know, nor did he worship Daniel's God. I want you to make God personal today. Because that's, what, that's where the, the text is taking us, Daniel's God. This is why I want you to, this is why we entitled today's message, Our God. And, and so I said from the pulpit, Our God, but you where you're sitting say, My God. Forget about our for a second. Just, just, I know he's our God, but today, just for your sake, you need to say, my God, because Daniel made it personal. Daniel said, God, you are my God. And Daniel's God was so much Daniel's God that even the heathen king started to say, Daniel's God. You make God personal enough to you that people are going to say, you know what? Bob's God. You go home and your kids might say, Dad, what's up with you? But they watch you long enough following and being diligent. They're going to say, my dad's God is something else. 
I go to church too, but what God is doing in daddy's life ain't what's going on in my life. Oh, somebody help me here today. This is why you need to get personal and say, my God, and all the naysayers that's talking about you, and all the naysayers that's saying whatever they say about you, you need to just say, I'm not going to worry about it. My God, he is my God. And I know he's going to defend me. I know he's going to keep me. Brother Daryl, I want you to understand, just keep on living for your God. Sooner or later, people are going to realize they're not really serving the God that you're serving. And they're going to realize, I better start serving the God Daryl is serving. I better start serving the God Sam is serving. Because the God that I've been serving is no evidence of what he's doing in my life. Your God. Your God. Don't, 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 don't go making it like, you know, uh, uh, it's for everybody. Yes, he's for everybody. But we need him to become our God. Personal, my God. Yes, my God. The king said, Daniel's God. That, that's heavy right there. The king said, Daniel's God. And so he didn't worship Daniel's God. Neither did he knew Daniel's God. But guess what? He knew Daniel's God had to be something else because Daniel's reputation was stellar. Daniel's reputation was one of great character. And so he'd been watching Daniel. He heard about Daniel. He'd been watching Daniel. And guess what? Because of Daniel's reputation and character, King Darius appointed Daniel the highest officer in his cabinet. Now, there was all kind of officers that had high rank and position in his cabinet. But because of Daniel's character, because of who Daniel is, what he represented, what he represented, his God, he was able to be appointed by King Darius, right below King Darius. He was the head honcho right right below King Darius. And so now he is the man. He's doing things. And... King Darius see Daniel just flourishing, doing great. But because of Daniel's favor with the king, the other officers became jealous. That's a tough one right there. That's a tough one right there. That's probably the hardest thing I deal with in in the kingdom of God. Church, can I tell you? If he's your God... No need to be jealous of your next door neighbor. If he's really your God, if he's really your God, no need to get jealous of somebody else. If he's really your God, no need to talk about somebody else. Because if you're getting blessed and things are going good for you, guess what? He is so, he's my God and he, he takes care of me and what I need, he will provide. I don't care what you're getting, what I need, I will get as well. And so I don't have to be jealous of anybody. I don't have to worry about, well, how are they getting this God? And I'm not, no, he my God. He's going to give me what I need. You get what you need, and I'm going to get what I need. And so the other officers got jealous of Daniel and conspired to get him removed from his position. Hmm. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3 says, In the last days, men will be without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, and this is what happened to Daniel, despisers of those that are good. When you live for God, And you obey God and you follow God, people want to chop you down. People want to, they they start saying, you think you better than me. And you never said a word about being better than them. All you're trying to do is live for God. All you're trying to do is please your God. And because they're not trying to please your God, now all of a sudden they're thinking you're thinking that you're better than them. When all you're saying is, no, I'm striving to please my God. No, I'm striving to live a right life in the eyes of my God. No, I just want my God to know that I love him. 
And that's why I'm living this way. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to make you look bad. I'm not trying to talk about you. I'm not talking about you. My eyes are fixed on my God. And I want to please my God. And if that offends you, all I can tell you is, why don't you try serving my God, because what my God is doing for me, He will do for you. And you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to get jealous for anything. You don't have to hate on me because He's treating me good. He'll treat you good too. That's what I love about my God. He'll treat you good too. And when you get to know my God, you'll know I don't have to worry about anything because he, he'll treat me good too. If he treat me good, he'll treat you good. And he can love me and you. He can love us both the same and, and we'll both feel like we're special. Mm-hmm. So they conspired against Daniel because he was good. He did good because he was trying to please his God. They set him up so that he could be blamed and charged with abuse of power. That's what the charge was that they was trying to bring against Daniel after they conspired because who does he think he is? So they consulted with each other. They got together and they said, we know how to get him. Man, so much in this. I hope I can finish this. Uh, Get it across to you the way you need to get it. So they knew how to conspire against him. Because when you are godly, when you live your life to please your God, you you routinely do what you do. You consistently do what you do. And so if somebody watch you, they will know exactly what you're all about. Which means they can study you and realize what to do to try to trip you up. This is why God calls sheep. Because... If somebody watches because of our consistent way of living, our consistent way of how we reach for our God and how we serve our God, that's just who we are. And so if somebody pay enough attention, they will see this is just how we live. And so they watched. And they said, I know how to get Daniel. And they concocted the plan. Here's how we get Daniel. Daniel is so committed to his God. Daniel is so faithful to his God. Daniel is so routinely doing the things that he do toward his God that Daniel loved his God so much he will never, ever look towards any other God. And so they built what they call a royal statue. And they built this royal statue and they went to the king and said, King, how about you make a decree that this royal statue, we need to bow down and we need to worship this royal statue. How about you put a decree saying that everybody in your kingdom. Can I just get in that little crack door there for a second and just say this? Heathen kingdoms, kingdoms of this world, the king is the shot caller. If the king say you die, you dine. I'm talking about real life stuff. You can go overseas and it still goes on today. You go to Barcelona and the king say, you know what, let me even stop that. We can do it right here in the U.S. That, that the highest seat in the world, as they call it in the world, the president of the United States, if they call shot and they want you out of here, you out of here. Okay? So I, I don't have to go to the king, but I had to use the king just because that's just how we read in the, in the Bible. But if the king wants you dead, you're going to die and there's nothing you can do about it. Just think about that for a second. A regular man that like you, he breathed like you, and if breath come out of his lung, he died just like you will. Who give him the audacity to call shots to kill me? Who do you think you are? But you got to understand, that's what the position of the king is. Whatever he says, that's what they do. So I just want you to understand When we decide to surrender our life to the king of kings. There's a whole lot of kings in this world. But that's why my God, he's always ahead of the curve. He says, I am the king of kings. So all the kings of the world, they bow down to me because I am the king of kings. And if kings of this world have that kind of power to say, 
you will die and you die, then what will the king of kings expect? What should he be like as the most powerful and most high God, the king of kings? So come back to the concept. What is your concept of God? What is your understanding of God? Because if you live in any country where the king is ruling, you will know you better fear the king. Oh, long live the king. And if you try to go to the king any other kind of way, oh, get him out of here. Take his head. And that's just the way it is. Maybe we need to go to a country where the king rule and live there for a little bit and realize how, how it is. We live in this nice democracy country and we think, oh man, you know, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Maybe we need to go someplace where the king is ruling. Maybe we need to go to Jordan or something like that where the king is a shot call and whatever he says, that's what it is. And you will realize nothing moves without the king. So when you come to Christ, who is the king of kings, how should that kingdom operate? Huh? Shouldn't... It be the, even on a different level, what he says is what gets done. Well, then we can't live for God and do whatever we want. We're trying to live for God and do whatever we want. It, it can't work that way. Then you're not in God's kingdom. The good news is with God, if you're not obeying him, you're just not in his kingdom. The bad news about the kings of this world, if you live in that kingdom and you're not obeying, you're going to have some problems. You get put in jail, something, you just, you're going to have some problems. So, so that's, the, that's the good thing about God is he, he is so good that he's saying, listen, I'm not going to make you obey me. I, I'm, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do it on your own, to make your own choice. That's the good thing about God. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to if the king of man, man that are king, is, is, is requiring you to, to respond to them in that way. What should we do to God? This is why I have no problem saying, Lord, you are my king. Because I want him to be my king, not a man. Because that man is no different from me. And he's ungodly, unrighteous. And if he's ungodly and unrighteous, he will never be fair to me. He will never be merciful to me. He has no reason to. But my God, my God. Mm-hmm. So they conspired. He's conspired and they said he will not bow. So let's set it up. And so they set it up. Daniel didn't bow to the royal statue. And as soon as that happened, hey, king, your boy Daniel, I know that's your boy. And I know you gave him that high authority. But your boy Daniel, he didn't bow to the statue and everybody else do. So you had signed a decree, a decree, you put a decree in saying that, you know, he needs to die. Whoever don't bow down to the golden statue need to die. And the king was just, the king was like Potiphar was. I don't know if you know all the stuff that I'm telling you, but the king was like Potiphar, like, oh, no. This dude was just helping me move the kingdom forth. And he was doing such a great job. And he was just the best. He was smart. He was intelligent. Good reputation. And Oh, no, you're telling me I'm going to have to command that he be killed? The king was just hurt because Daniel was his man. Hmm. Daniel was his man. It's interesting. Daniel was a God-fearing man. King Darius was a heathen king, but he was smart enough to know. There's favor upon that dude right there. I'm going to put him in charge of a lot of things. And if he's in charge of a lot of things, guess what? My kingdom will be fine. Just like Potiphar was smart enough to know that boy Joseph, there's something special about him. I'm not going to get jealous of him. I'm just going to put him in a good position to be a blessing to us. We all missed it. So, yeah, they conspired to get him thrown in the lion's den. And we know that the king says, all right. Nothing I can do. I've already signed the decree, so do what you have to do. And it was time to throw Daniel's in the, Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel knew that he was going to be, be thrown in the lion's den. Can I ask you this question? What will you do different when you know you're in trouble? You know you're in some serious trouble. What are you going to do different than what you've always done? Can I tell you what Daniel did? 
nothing. Daniel never did anything different. Daniel used to wake up every day and worship the Lord, pray. He had devotion with God. Three times a day, Daniel will pray and have devotion with God. He never changed anything. If, if we are in trouble and we have to change something, know what that's telling you? I, I, I wasn't really following my God. If we are in trouble and we have to start figuring out we got to do something or we start panicking and we start trying to figure out, oh, I need to do this or, oh, no, I need to go and pray. Oh, no, I need to get on my face. If we are in trouble and we are, we know trouble is coming and we got to get right, then maybe we weren't right before. Daniel didn't do anything different. When they accused Daniel for not bowing, Daniel did what he's always done and went home. Bow and pray to, the, to, to, to his God. Never did anything different. Never read anything about Daniel getting worked up because he know what he did, what he does just every day. He just kept following his routine, his devotion unto God. There's, there's a message in there. There's a message in there. If, if, if we're going to not fear, if we're, if, if we're going to uh, not worry about anything, it means we have to be consistent in our relationship with God. We, we start panicking and we start worrying because we're inconsistent in our walk with God. When things begin to happen, we start worrying and we start doubting and we start saying, God, is this going to destroy me? Am I going to die? Well, guess what? If you're walking with God consistently, if you're obeying God and you're doing what you're supposed to do, uh, let that thing happen uh, because God God wants the best for me and if that thing is going to happen it's going to bring glory to God because my life is bringing glory to God. When I walk with God each and every day, when I praise God every day, when I give myself to God every day, I'm giving glory to God. When I tell people about God, I'm giving glory to God. So I'm not worried about dying because guess what? Why would God want to take me out of this earth if every day of my life I'm giving glory in every day of my life, I'm honoring him with my life. Why would he want me dead? That's what Daniel knew. Daniel was influencing millions from where he was. Everybody looked at his life. Man. So why would God take Daniel's life? So Daniel was cool, calm, and collected. Daniel went and prayed. Daniel didn't worry about a thing. He said, I ain't worried about it. Let God be God, because he's my God. And so, Daniel just kept praying. Can I tell you this? The king showed favor to Daniel. And the king put Daniel where he was. And Daniel was appreciative of what favor he received from the king. Daniel appreciated that. In your life, if you walk with God and you trust God and you live obedient to God, God will put people in your life who will champion you. God will put people in your life who will use their influence to help you. The other day, I told you, all of you don't know this, but some of you do know, um, I, I had this urge to go and talk to the mayor of Hamilton. And I said, I got to go talk to the mayor. And I kept saying, I got to go talk to the mayor. And one day, I pull into my driveway, and right away, the Spirit of the Lord prompted me and said, go talk to the mayor. I just backed right out and just went straight down to the building down here. I knew where the mayor building was, and I went inside of it. But I didn't know where her office was. And so I walked in. I went on the second floor. I said, the second floor is the main floor. So you got three floors, second floor, first floor, second floor, and upstairs. I'm like, where is this mayor's office? So I started walking down the hall, and then I was about to go up some steps. And all of a sudden, I turned around, and the mayor was walking around the corner all by herself. I said, Jesus, you're scaring me, man. I'm telling you, there's some stuff we do. I'm just like, man, God, just easy, man. This is too crazy. So I walked over. I said, Mayor, I was coming to see you. 
You know, me acting like, I, you know, everything all in the control. And not uncontrolled. The Lord shook me up. I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm like, Mayor, I was coming to see you. And I stood in the hall with the mayor for about 10 minutes, talked to her, and told her that we're a church in the fire station. We're the chaplain for the fire um, fighters, and we love where we are. We thank God for where he has put, put us. He put us there, and we're having some great time there, and people's lives are being touched. And, you know, we're, we're just thankful that God has put us there. However, we've grown a little bit, Mayor, and we need to find someplace else. She said, well, how many people is in your congregation? I said, on Sundays, it could be anywhere between 70 and 80 people. Um, so, you know, we're right there at the limit, and so we'd love for you to help us out. The mayor said, okay, I'll see what I can do. So I gave her my card, and, you know, I just thought she was just being a politician. i got to be honest with you. I should know better because the Lord is orchestrating this, but still, you walk away with just how you feel, you know. Politician, but I appreciate she's just talking to me, you know what I mean? So I said, I just appreciate she's taking the time to talk to me. So I walked away. The other day, the church phone rang. I answered it. Reverend Wyatt, this is Marty from the mayor's office. I said, hey, how are you? He said, listen, the mayor told me to get in touch with you and help you find a building for your church. I said, mayor, I said, that mayor, she's something else. I just appreciate her. He says, so this is what we're going to do. And he told me how we need to go about it. So he had some people helping us um, trying to find a building for our church. Why did I tell you all of that? I tell you all of that to say God will give, will put people in your life that he will use their influence to help you. That's just how he does. So King Darius was put into Daniel's life to show favor. And so now here is Daniel. He was the man because King Darius took to him. And now King Darius is using his influence to show, uh, to, to help Daniel out. You know, King Darius was able to show favor to Daniel. But God wants you to know this. I appreciate the mayor. I appreciate her team and what they're doing and how they're helping us. But I understand God is pulling the strings. And that's what God wants me to tell you this morning. When he put people in your life and you're starting to get favored, don't you think that those people are the ones that's doing it? You better understand those strings are being pulled by the almighty God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is pulling these strings. And so when the favor is coming, when God is blessing and opening up opportunities for you, you better stop and say, God, I know this is you. I will respect these people and encourage them and pray for them and be a blessing to them. But I know the strings are being pulled by you, oh God. And so I will trust you. Daniel didn't put his trust in King Darius. Daniel put his trust in God, his God. And so in Daniel chapter 6, verse 18, then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. He didn't eat. He couldn't eat because he knew Daniel was done wrong. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. The Bible tells you everything. You know how we talk about, I don't know how you can do people wrong in sleep. Bible don't miss. You read your Bible, Bible don't miss. The the king was doing wrong, and he wasn't even the one that plotted on Daniel, but yet and still he realized that, man, I can't sleep because this is wrong. What's being done to Daniel is wrong. And so he couldn't sleep. Said sleep went away from him. But here we go. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in in, in haste unto the den, the lion's den. And when he came to the den, he cried with a a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, Oh, Daniel. I thought it was supposed to be, Oh, great king. He said, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually. Listen, we want to see our family saved. We want to see, uh, you know, relatives and loved ones come to Christ. God is telling us. The king said, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God. Are you serving God? He said, servant of the living God is thy God. Again, the king not saying God. He kept saying your God. Is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions. 
You see what happens when you just consistently walk with God? I know sometimes we think it's difficult, but you have no idea how many people you will influence. You have no idea the lives that you can touch. Can you imagine that when you get somebody, can you imagine we get the mayor converted, who she's touching? She's the mayor of the community. And so we don't understand why we keep walking with God and keep living for God. And God will do great things through us if we will just keep on being consistent. And so in 622, my God, Daniel responded and says, my God had sent his angel and had shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me and also before thee. O king, have I done no hurt? Then was the king exceeding what? Glad. For him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him. That's the word of God. I wish y'all come to church and don't listen to me, but just listen to the word. Don't listen to me, because I ain't saying nothing. But when I speak the word of God, you listen to that. Because he believed in his God. You got to make God your God. It's time you come to church and stop coming to church and saying, Oh, I went to church to worship God. Which God? Who's God? You got to come into the house of God and worship your God. You got to come here and say, Jesus is my God. Jesus is my deliverer. Jesus is my king. And when you come in and you begin to claim that for yourself, then it becomes personal. And what you need, God will take care of it. But you can't make him general. He is not just a general God. He needs to be your God. Do you believe your God? It says here, because he believed in his God. Mark chapter 9 verse 23 says, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Would y'all think that that's just God playing with your emotions? That that's a myth? God don't play with emotions and that's not a myth. If God says whatever you believe, you will have it and so it will be. But you just got to trust God and take him at his word. If you believe, you will have what you believe. Verse 24, and the king commanded and they brought these men which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives. What kind of God is that? Let me tell you something. Again, what's your concept of God? And I'll tell you your concept of God, what it better be. You are the apple of God's eye. And let me tell you something. He will seek and destroy and devour anybody that come against you. So it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. If anybody come after my baby girl, I'm going to lose my salvation. I'm going back to my machete and my 45. I am not playing around. And so I'm just telling you how God do for you. Anybody try to destroy you? Anybody try to set you up? Anybody try to do things against you when you're trying to be obedient and follow God? God will come after them and God will destroy them. He's just not stopping at just stopping them. He will destroy them. We got Bible. He destroyed Pharaoh and Pharaoh's army. And now he's destroying these men plus their children and plus their wives for coming after an innocent man that has God to be his God. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I think the message got through to you clearly. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. He's feeling good right now. His boy didn't die. 
He can, he can put his boy back in the position where he was so the kingdom can be blessed again. Peace be unto you. <laughs> Go ahead, king. <laughs> right? Uh, and, 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 and the king says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom. You see these mys going on? My kingdom. Men tremble and fear before what? Do you understand what that's really about? The king that rules the kingdom is saying, listen, I know I worship idols. I know, you know, my thing is just a little off. But guess what? I'm passing a decree today that y'all begin to fear Daniel's God. Not my God, because my God is not doing anything. My God is an idol. My God, he can't move. My God is not alive. But Daniel's God, he's the living God. And you need to fear Daniel's God. Oh, my God. And so he said, fear Daniel's God, for he is the what? And steadfast forever. It means he's unmovable and unchangeable forever. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. That king had dominion in that kingdom. But he knew that his dominion was limited. That his dominion still was under the king of kings. And it don't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who the king is. It doesn't doesn't matter who the prime minister is. It doesn't matter who is running the country, who is running anything, and who is ruling anything. The King of Kings, his name is Jesus. The Lord of Lords, his name is Jesus. The Alpha and Omega, his name is Jesus. The beginning and the end, his name is Jesus. He is the one that rules. He is the one that controls. He is the one that's all powerful. He is the one that will have dominion and power forever. What are we worrying about? God want me to tell you this morning that no need for you to worry about anything. He wants me to tell you you don't have to worry about a thing because he's got everything under control. He's the all-powerful God. He is the all-amazing oh God and nothing and no one can stop him. What are you worrying about today? What are you worrying about today? God want me to tell you, it's going to be all right. He's given us Daniel so we can have an example. Just serve God continually. Don't you waver in serving God. Don't you waver in following us to God. Don't you waver in living for God. Because God will take care of his children. God will take care of his people. God, you are my God. And you will take care of me. He said, he delivereth. King's still talking about Daniel's God. He said, he delivereth and rescueth. It doesn't matter how tough the situation is. Stop panicking. All you have to do, the secret is just in your commitment to your God. The secret is in you serving your God. Listen, I got to tell you, the people that follow the heathen king and do whatever that heathen king says, those people have favor with their heathen king. Their king with limited uh, authority. They, 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 they have influence because they obey and they follow their king, their earthly king. What you think will happen if you follow the heavenly king? What you think will happen if we serve God? We're running from the thing that empower us. God help us today. We're running from the very thing that empowers us. The way you will confront and the way you will tackle all of your situations and all of your challenges is not by just sitting by. It's not by just coming to church, but it's to make God your God. And when He becomes your God, you gotta serve your God. You gotta be faithful to your God. You gotta be committed to your God. You gotta make yourself available to your God. And when you do so, you have nothing to worry about. He will take care of you because He is your God. God, what are you gonna do? Let them come to church? give their life to you 
and then all of a sudden you're going to just let them die, God? What kind of stuff is that? Are you going to let them do that or are you going to bring them in the church and then you're going to do some great things in your life and begin to give them favor and let people see what kind of father you are to your children. God wants people to see that he's a great father, that no father is better than him. God wants people to see that he is the best father and he is the best at taking care of his children. So when he brings you in, he will certainly keep you. He will certainly take care of you. He will certainly defend you. He will certainly protect you because nobody will say he ain't no good dad. Let's stand to our feet. Nobody's going to accuse God for not being a good dad. You just got to realize that if you would just believe, if you will just obey, it's not about just coming on Sundays. I know I was talking to Sister Rose yesterday. And she was talking about how in Tennessee everybody's so sweet and nice. Nobody really gets upset and everything is all good. But let me tell you something that she also added about that. She said, but in the church is the same thing. When the preacher preach, he just preach for agreement for everybody. They find the scriptures that kind of make everybody feel okay. Don't go against the grain. Listen, we the Northeasterners. We supposed to have thick skins. Let me tell you this. So it, the forces that are around us are territorial. And as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. The Northeast is the power of America. The Northeast controls America. The Northeast is, is the seat of the control of this country. Washington, D.C., New York, Boston. We run this country. 60% of all America is on the Northeast. You know what that means? I can't play around in preaching to y'all. It means I have to empower y'all to keep doing what needs to be done in the spiritual. They're doing what they have to do in the natural to empower this country for the Northeast to have the control and move things along. That's what's going on in the natural. The church cannot be weak in the Northeast. They can be all good down in Tennessee. They can all be all good wherever they are around the world. But right here in the Northeast... I don't have time to preach nice, mellow, easygoing messages for you to go home and put your foot up and watch your TV and click on the clicker. I got to preach to change your life. I got to preach to get you moving in Christ. I got to preach so you understand who you are and who God is so you will make a difference. This ain't the kind of church where you come and just feel like, I did my duty today. No, I'm going to provoke you. I want when you lay down, when you sit out on your couch, when you're watching, your, your mind is messing with you because something you heard in the Word of God today will say, I got to do something. I got to make Jesus my God. I got to do something. I got to do something. I can't just go to church. I can't just go through the motion. I got to do. And I I got to become what God want me to become. I got to make a difference. I'm living in a part of the country where we make a difference. I'm living in a part of the country where we make a difference. And so it is in the natural. It must be in the spiritual. And when you get to that place of being equipped and God becomes your God, that's when you begin to experience the miracles. Here is where I'm closing. God wants to give you miracles. But you got to realize.
Hallelujah. 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 God wants to do a miracle in somebody's life in here, more than somebody. But he needs you to trust him. He needs you to trust him. He wants to do something in your life today that you have never experienced. But you have to acknowledge your need for him. Daniel knew he had the need for God and he trusted God. He, he, he said, you are my God and you brought me this place and I know I'll be fine. But you have to trust God for what you need today. You have to believe God for what you need today. God want me to tell you that your situation is not too hard for him. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what you're thinking about right now. I know I'm telling you what God is telling me to tell you. That whatever your situation is, whatever you think is difficult, whatever you think you just can't get past or you can't get over, whatever the hurt you have suffered, whatever is in your heart that's stopping you from moving and having a breakthrough, I'm here to tell you, God want me to tell you that he can do what needs to be done, but you must believe him and you must trust him. God wants to do it. It is not God's will that you walk out of here today. You have desires, but God also has desires that he has for your life. God's love for us is incomprehensible. It's what drives him to take care of us. His love for us is what drives him. He said in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, now unto him, talking about Jesus, now unto him that is able to do exceeding <laughs> and abundant and above all we can ask or think. There is nothing that you can think of. God says he will go above what you can think you need. So whatever you got in your mind, whatever it is that you've dreamt about, whatever situation you're stuck in and you're thinking like, man, this is impossible. Man, this God don't know how this will ever work. God says now unto him talking about Jesus Christ that is able our God is able able to do exceeding and abundantly above whatever you could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you you got all kind of power shut up in you. And all you got to do is let God be God in your life. If you will stretch out in faith today, some of you might want to walk up to this altar and demonstrate faith. Some of you might want to stand where you are, move out from next to someone. You might just want to be free enough to pray. But let's take five minutes before we leave here today and petition God for the hardest thing you can think of in your life. Nothing unrighteous. But things that are righteous, things that are godly, I want you to today petition God for it. God will do it. I am not guessing. I'm not speculating. I've read God's word and God cannot lie. He cannot do for Daniel. He cannot shut up lion's mouth and stop them from eating Daniel and you can't get your situation worked out. There is no situation too hard for God. And I want you to come today and lay your situation upon Jesus and say, Jesus, you know the difficulty of my situation. I want you to come today and I want you to yield and I want you to give God all the honor and all the praise. I want you to commit your ways to God. You read what Daniel did. Daniel was faithful to God. Daniel was committed to God. He didn't budge when he knew he was in trouble. He just said, my God will deliver me. Daniel was so good at what he did. That even an ungodly heathen king began to say, I'm going to serve Daniel's God. Will your friends say, I'm going to serve your God? Will your parents say, I'm going to serve your God? Will your co-workers say, I'm going to serve your God? Will your neighbors say, I'm going to serve your God? Oh, somebody, will the people connected to you say, I'm going to serve your God? Or will they not even realize you have a personal relationship with your God? Will they just look the other way because how you're living, they can't tell that you have a personal relationship with your God. But if they can see that you have a personal relationship, they're going to start to say, what church do you go to? 
If they can see you have a personal relationship with your God, they're going to start to say, what, what, what denomination you are? And you got to tell them, oh, don't worry about denomination. I just want to introduce you to my God. My God. My God that heals. My God that delivers. My God that will save. My God that will get in the middle of my situation. Listen to me. Listen to me. The Spirit of the Lord is telling me, stop trying to work your situation out. You're making a mess. You're sinking deeper. The solution to rectifying your situation is surrender your life to Christ. Your situ, your, 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 your answer for how the situation will turn out is for you to now serve Jesus Christ. It's for you to give your heart, your mind, your soul to Him. It's for you to become available. You can no longer just show up whenever you can to church. God wants all your heart. God wants all your mind. God wants all your soul because He wants to do something great in your life. Ah. He wants to save you. He wants to work your situation out. He wants for you to experience abundant life. He wants for you to experience the glorious life that He has for you. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Stand still and see the salvation of the 